Rutherford. Yeah, that's right. And I figured it out. The Alito's code is corrupted. He erased my memory to cover it up. The AI is the same one that killed Jax. Why did I stop at your memory? I should have erased all of you. Les, what the hell is this? Starfleet is so competitive. Once you're an admiral, you hit a wall. I've been trying for years to make a name for myself. I'm not letting you take it from me. Not after everything I did to get us here. Everything you did? Wait, that means... Yes, yes, I set you up. New takes. I'm your host, Notch Garnick, and with me, having a battle to see which of our starships is better, is Emily Bowen Marler. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today, we'll be sharing recaps of two episodes Stars at Night, which was the season finale of Lower Decks, and Asylum, the mid season premiere of Prodigy. But first, we want to remind you to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Tell your friends about the podcast. And hey, you know what? Give us a five-star rating wherever you listen because that helps us a lot. And of course, as usual, if you have not watched these two episodes of Star Trek, you might want to hold off on uh, on watching the episode. And I can see a, a cattail in, uh, behind <laughs> Emily unless something has changed in her life. I think that's her cat. Uh, <laughs> it, is, it is my cat's tail, not my tail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so of course, you know, this is your spoiler warning. And maybe if you haven't watched the Prodigy episode, you can listen to half of our podcast episode and then <laughs> listen to the rest after you've watched it, because we're going to be handling the Lower Decks episode first. All right. Well, we always go with our strange new takes first. So do you have a strange new take for me, Emily? It is kind of funny how the cat's tail looks like it could be my tail. <laughs> she was hiding behind you perfectly. So it was just like coming on the side. Yeah, it's great. Um, well, my strange new take actually kind of has to do with Star Trek. But so um, Dietrich has been watching Prodigy with us. And the last time we watched it, he was three. And so we thought, oh, well, it'll be fun. We'll watch it together over dinner on Thursday. And so we watched it and it was just, it made my Star Trek heart so happy to see how much he was enjoying it. And as soon as it was over, he's like, I want to watch all of season one all over again. And so we immediately started it. It was great. So... That's there's just, there's a there's an executive in CBS right now playing this for Kirsten Big C C C. It's so great, but um, yeah. So that just um, it's it really benefits you to watch things with people at different stages in their life to kind of see you know because it's just really delightful to watch that. Um, and my strange new take for the episodes would be it was just a great week of Star Trek. I really enjoyed both of these episodes, and um, I'm excited to talk about them. Well, here I come by saying they both suck. No, they I both bet. Suck. They were great. <laughs> I enjoyed them as well. Um, but let me start by saying this is a, this is a Rudy take. I'm gonna. I feel like now I can like assign takes. Like if I if I have something to say about chickens, I'm like Adam. Yes. If I have something esoteric about science, it's Bill. Uh, Rudy has like you know takes about space and and you typically have something like family related or like uh-huh. working outside or something like that like i and i just i i don't know what's my what's my category of take i would say would sometimes say? it's like either tech or home improvement type things seem to be your those seem to be what your takes are <laughs> and i feel like i also have a grumpier strange new take usually <laughs> than most people but anyway so this is a rudy take that i'm going to share um this book called apollo remastered it actually came out just a couple of days ago because i pre-ordered it and mine arrived a couple of days ago it's it's a project by an imaging specialist named andy saunders he took all of the original film from the apollo moon missions And I don't just mean the photographic film, the video film. And he used multiple frames of video to create single photographs. So these are some of the best images of Apollo that have ever been created. Now, there's some philosophy there about whether the the actual image that people saw or if it's like, you know, if we're losing something to the remaster, are we getting an image that didn't really exist? Like there's some like existential things. But hey... I got a book of cool photos. I look at them and I'm like, neat. And that's what you should do, in my opinion, instead of having all these existential questions. So Apollo Remastered, look into it if you're a huge space nerd. 
And um, with this... Is it like a coffee table book? Uh, like, would it be like the way... Yes, the yes, okay. but it's like giant. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There, okay. there is that, there is that. Yes, 100%. Just filled with photos. Nice. And then my Star Trek Strange new take is that, boy, I'm happy a Prodigy is back. I really like Prodigy. I love I Prodigy see. so much. It's so different. It's so wonderful. And I was, you know, halfway through that episode, I was just like, man, this is great. I miss yeah. this so yep. much. Yep, agree. Okay, well... Let's jump in first with our episode from Lower Decks. It's the Stars at Night. It's the 10th episode of the third season. That's the season finale. First aired on 27th October 2022. It was written by Mike McMahon, who's a showrunner. It's directed by Jason Zurek, who directs a lot of their episodes. And it's in Universe 8. It was 58499.22381. Here's the episode summary from Memory Alpha. The Cerritos crew must prove their worth in a mission race. Who writes these? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, seriously, this is like, I mean, I guess it's concise, which is good. But So do you always get it from the same source? Because it's also strange how sometimes there's a lot and sometimes there's like half a sentence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've got one like sentence with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 13 words. And just <laughs> listen later for how long the Prodigy one is. Yeah, I think I think there are different people writing these. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if they're coming from like the NB, uh, uh, not the NBC, Paramount Plus catalog, or if they're like written by people on Memory Alpha. Anyway, uh, our show opens basically with the Cerritos uh, in Stardock getting repaired from the Breen attack. Mm -hmm. And it quickly becomes evident that Admiral Les Buenamigo has set up Captain Freeman and the entire California class set them up to fail. And basically he's, he's pushing unmanned starships as an alternative. Yeah, that's not, that's not very cool. Especially when, isn't he like an old family friend? Like, like yeah. they know each other really well. So yeah, super shady and, and not cool. Um, yeah, he's not quite a buen amigo as much as a mal amigo, I that's think. That's right. That's right. I didn't want to steal your joke, which I think you stole, but you know. <laughs> I did steal that joke, but yes. It <laughs> I is wanted relevant. you to be able to give it. So it is. It is. It's it very is. good. And they um, introduced this dude in the first episode, like with Freeman's husband there. And like yeah. they're all, you know, like that. So so he is he is a family friend. It's kind of mm -hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's 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 not a good one to have, though. Or, you know, let lets his own ambitions get in the way. So not very, not very cool. But did you catch how I think this episode kind of gave an explanation of why there are so many bad barrels? Did you catch that? I don't know if I did. So. Oh, because it's boring. Y yeah, but so that was part of it. But that's that little speech that Buenamigo gives to Freeman about like, why are you doing this? And uh -huh. he's like, yeah, you know, you have to stand out. You have to do something different, you know, like it's. And so basically there's a lot of pressure. There's a to, lot of pressure for them to stand out as the worst admiral. <laughs> right. Like, like, right. I think right. I feel like we've only had a few that weren't admirals. Admiral Ross wasn't a admiral. That's DS9. Yeah. Um, and you know what's funny? And some admirals were kind of half and half, like Nechev. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes. But then sometimes I felt like no, no, she she had principles. Like she wasn't. She wasn't really trying to go against Starfleet principles. She just kind of was a, not a nemesis for the Enterprise, but, you know, kind of not right. necessarily, you know, kind of a, kind of stuck in their craw, maybe is a better way to think of her more than a bad moral. But um, this dude's definitely a bad moral. Owen Paris, good admiral. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. It's true. Un it's unless, true. unless. Unless you're you're Tom Paris when he's fifteen and it's like, right. Dad, you suck. Yeah. I'm gonna go join the Maquis now and then have lizard babies with my captain the Delta Port. What? Okay. <laughs> Someone made the joke on one of my podcasts I was listening to, like how hilarious would it be if there's a ship that turns out flown by a lizard and it ends up being one of Paris and Janeway's babies. <laughs> Like, that would be yeah. a deep cut. That <laughs> uh, would. That would. Oh, well, there's another one. Armstrong from uh, Enterprise. Is that his name, Armstrong? Was oh, it, no, the, that's the, the Von, um, Von Armstrong is the, the actor. The actor, that's right. Uh, uh, Admiral Forrest? Forrest. Yes, that's he, right. he was not a bad admiral. Yeah, he's good, yeah. too. 
So, right. the, and I think they need to have some good admirals so that the trope doesn't get to, I mean, it's great to have bad admirals, but I think you need to have good ones too, to keep us on our toes so that we're not always expecting, oh, you know, I think another good admiral was um, in uh, Discovery. She was a good admiral. Yes, she uh, was. Corn, Cornwell? Corn. Yeah, that sounds something, right. Something I can't. Like uh, hmm, I'm trying to remember. Jane something is her name. The actor's name, Jane Brooks, or yeah, anyway. it's Jane Brooks. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. Anyway, no, you are correct though. We've identified some good girls. Uh, yeah, some but, good but, girls. <laughs> but Buen Amigo is not one of them. He no, is, he is not. He's a he's a bad girl uh, through and through. In fact, he was a bad monger back in the day. When he was Rutherford's boss, in fact. Yes. Mm, that was quite the discovery, wasn't it? Finding out that, that oh, and also that the Alito has Badgie's code. <laughs> I, yeah. You will die in a fire or I will make your heart burn. I can't remember exactly what it was. <laughs> the- theoretically, though, I just want to say Badgie has the Alito's code. Oh, that's true. It's true. You know, so so it's it's the way you look at it. But either way, they both have daddy issues. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the Alito also speaks in Buen Amigo's voice. Talk about being self-absorbed, Les. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Well, and I mean, he, he gets it in the end because of that. So, you know, I mean, it's just... At least, at least Rutherford was able to um, survive when faced with Badgie. So I think this says something definitely about the character of Buen Amigo versus Rutherford. Even though I, Rutherford would have created that code when he was his more, I guess, self-absorbed. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Because they, mm-hmm. they kind of make it seem like his personality had a shift after the implant and I don't know if it's the implant that made the shift or just growing up and having different experiences or you know I don't know what the what all the change was due to well he lost all his memories so the new memories were created by like whatever new experiences he had and maybe he had better formative experiences this time around right Mm -hmm. so yeah um I gotta admit I was not satisfied with that explanation you know it kind of was a little bit of a letdown like oh he was part of a secret Starfleet program like I was hoping there would be some like mega villain or something like the diviner reprogram Rutherford or something you yeah know? and so it, it was just like a little bit like oh, okay all right cool we were past that like I felt like an entire episode would be just about that you know given yeah. how much time they spent on it but but anyway I'm not like torn up about it or anything uh, so. I do find it interesting, like, why would he want, if if he used Rutherford to program his ships, like, why did he need to get Rutherford out of the way? Like, why couldn't, or did he just want to take the glory for himself? And so he didn't want Rutherford to get any credit. And that's why they went, he went the implant route to wipe his memories or anyway, I just find that kind of interesting. Yeah, exactly. I think there's some more there. That mm-hmm. we could explore at some point, but we'll see. Although now that Buen Amigo is dead, uh, who knows what um, <laughs> if we're going to discover? I don't know. Although maybe I guess we discovered a lot of this from Rutherford, not from Buen Amigo. So maybe maybe there'll be a post-credit scene in next season finale where he gets his body gets beamed into a board ship or something. <laughs> anyway, we'll get to that. Um, we have a race between the two ships. And the Cerritos kind of fails-ish, but actually kind of succeeds. Like, uh, it was, I thought that was a good way to kind of put it, which is that humans right. have a role to play. We, we right. our intuition right. uh, puts us ahead of AI. Well, and I, and I think it makes the point that it's like, we don't have to have one or the other. There's a benefit to having both. And so... Um, because, I mean, it, it it does help to have things automated and, and there are a lot of advances that we can make by utilizing AI. But, yeah, there is that human touch that just can't quite uh, be replicated. Mm-hmm. And you have seen this in, in previous sci-fi and Star Trek before. It's, it's a common trope, like the machine versus the human, like what happens, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's interesting, there are some very specific 
AIs now that are coming out, which are very close. Like, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I bet if Bill was here, he'd have something to say about actually, <laughs> you know, I don't know if an, a well-programmed AI would have missed that, that scan, but right. we'll set that aside. It was, it was a heartwarming lesson for all of us. Um, and speaking of heartwarming, another thing that happened in this episode was uh, Shax has finally got to deploy a warp core. <laughs> <laughs> which was very heartwarming, but we're not quite there in that part yet. But it starts with Boimler having Shaxx hearing Boimler imitate him yes. and being very hurt. Yes. That makes me think, like, I wonder, I don't know if you've ever listened to the Delta Flyers. It's the podcast with Garrett Wong and uh, Robert Duncan McNeil. But Garrett Wong does impressions of all the different uh actors that are in voyager and he actually does a pretty good job like really he yeah he has a he has a janeway voice that he does and he he has a really great um uh doctor impression you know because he he just has a voice his voice is kind of malleable so he can kind of make it do different things but i've always wondered like how do they feel about him doing these (laughs) impressions so anyway i just thought that that kind of reminded me of you know some people would probably find delight in you doing an impression and other people would be like, oh, that's what you think I sound like. You know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I was like, where are they going with this? Like, first of all, it was hilarious. It's really funny yeah. to see Shaq's like, not just kind of being like, oh, I'm going to demote you or whatever, but actually being like, I'm hurt. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And and so it was, it was a very interesting plot in this episode. Yeah. But... Essentially, after the race is over, Freeman appeals to Starfleet Command. Bonamigo decides to unshackle his AI, and the AI decides to unshackle themselves from anything and kill Bonamigo and start going after Starfleet and after Freeman. I gotta say, I'm pretty happy that there are only three, unless we're gonna discover that there are some Texas class ships somewhere else that we are unaware of, but. That would be like a classic 90s sci-fi thing, right? Like in season mm-hmm. four, there's like, you remember that episode in season one where we thought we extinguished the problem? Well, yeah. here it is. You know, there was one <laughs> ship that was sent to the Delta Quadrant. It's back now. And yeah, so so hopefully we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's it's a possibility. Yep. Uh, and you know what they'll do? They'll have like Agamus, Peanut Hamper, the <laughs> yes. third ship, and then yes. Control will also come back. Yes. Uh, oh, gosh. Control. <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't get any control jokes in this episode. There's probably one like embedded somewhere that I missed. Uh, it is so unfortunate that people can't see the Zoom uh, video that we have going on. And my, ta- my cat's tail is now whipping me in the face. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Adorable looking cat. I will say. I will say. Oh, um, goodness. Yeah. So, so, so. The ships go rogue, and and Freeman decides to use herself as bait to save lives, which is very noble. Yeah. Oh, well, we kind of skipped over what her, like, she kind of realized that um, she wanted to be part of something bigger. Like, she kind of has that realization before she decides to go and help um, the California, or to help the Cerritos, right? Because she's, first she thinks there's some nefarious thing happening uh, with the funding, good lord, this cat. There's something nefarious <laughs> happening with the funding for um, their archaeological uh, digs or finds or whatever. And then they That's she discovers right. that it's it's Admiral Jean Luc Picard who is funding it. He has a foundation or something that funds all uh-huh. of this work. But then, um, but then that was that was a that was a big reveal. I was not yeah. expecting that in a million years. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of fun. But then. Um, uh, she realizes that it's it's more than just that. She just wants to be part of something that's bigger. And so doing the even though she gets to act however she wants to act when she's stealing artifacts from different places. You, th- um, you think Picard is doing this just because he like is trying to get Vash back and he's like, well, maybe <laughs> if I like prove myself and how much I love artifacts, Vash will come back. Like, who you think? knows? I mean, who is he trying to win over? I'm just not quite sure because I mean, the didn't they end the last season with he and uh, what's her face? I forgot her name. The Romulan woman. Um finally having a moment and now i don't know that she's anywhere in season three (laughs) who knows (laughs) because picard you just can't tie him down so yeah 
and and this explains some of the objects in Picard's residence in Picard as well. Mm -hmm. Some of the like artifacts that he yeah. has, because it's like okay, so he's been he's been funding these. Yes, yes, it's anyway. because Petra has gotten them for him. Yes, Petra mm -hmm. Aberdeen. Yes. Uh, Essentially, after this discovery, Mariner forces Petra to come and they get the, the, the distress call or they watch a news report or whatever it is. Yeah. And they go off to help the Cerritos. And we get that classic finale scene where the Cerritos is about to get destroyed by the one remaining Texas class ship, which now I just realized I skipped over the shack section. But oh, I know. That's a really important part. Yeah, we will. <laughs> Let's 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 deviate. Let's deviate. I know I was on like a, a roll there, but I'll stop. So Shaq's the, the Cerritos is being chased by the three Texas class ships in warp. And they're like, what should we do? <laughs> Everyone's giving options on Shaq's the bridge. Like, it's at the war core. <laughs> and, and and I mean this is a classic Star Trek scene, right? Like it's like everyone's giving an option, but nothing's good. And then the only deviation there is Boimler being like, hey everybody, shut up! Listen to Shaxx. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is, I mean, that's, again, Boimler doing something significant and yeah. actually command-worthy there. Yeah, for sure. And, man, it was just so hilarious watching Shaxx run down the corridors to make his way to engineering yeah, so that he could put in his code. <laughs> and everyone's on either side of the corridor to, like, you know give him uh, a celebration as he's going to do it and then he finally gets to like it was also cool to see the like warp core actually fall out of engineering yeah like that. you know i don't remember what music they had during that part but oh it would have been hilarious if they'd had the music from chariots of fire as he's running down right that should be a fan edit that should mm -hmm. be a fan edit i'll also point out by the way remember the episode with senior officer training with tendy and miglimo was like you one of the main things you have to do to be a senior officer is interrupt the captain. Yeah, that's exactly what Boimler does here. Yeah. So I think I think they're setting this up so that Boimler does get some like actual command responsibilities in the future. He's not a complete doofus, basically. Yeah, yeah. But, that's cool. But so that yeah, destroys so she, two of the three ships, right? So we have one ship left after that. And the Cerritos is dead in the water. They're about to get destroyed. But hey, look who's here, Mariner with herself oh, and nobody yeah. else and then it's just like uh you're not gonna survive but then all of the california ships show up and it was hilarious i was laughing at all of the names for the california ships but i was offended that the city i grew up in was not one of them so whatever but there's probably like a million cities in california so they wouldn't have been able to name them all so. well but but there were i saw online actually there were a bunch of people who live in davis who were upset they're like what the hell we're a big city in california why is there no davis well, but see it seems to me that they mostly do small cities so i was kind of surprised that they had the san diego right. um they had the san clemente which that was close enough for me because i lived pretty close to san clemente so i was like okay i went to the beach there all the time that's cool that's cool i can handle that but um but yeah, so most of them, because like Cerritos, that's not like a super big city in California, you know? <laughs> I mean, so, what and I is... think, do they have like the Alhambra and the, I can't remember, uh -huh. but it's like all these, they're, they're really not big cities in, I mean, they're bigger than a lot of cities in other states because it's California, but all in all compared to like the actual big cities in California. Um, the the so, population yeah. of Cerritos in 20, 2019 was 49,859. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so so all these ships show up. We get little vignettes of all the the bridges, which is kind of cool. Like we see some characters we've seen in the past, including mm -hmm. including the. Do, do, did you remember where that call out to the not quite Cerritos crew was from? So it made me think of parallels, but I don't know if that's what the call out was. It was just reminding me of that time when is it parallels? When uh, Worf is having, he's kind of jumping between right. different timelines. And so everything's just a little off in some of the ships, which would be a different homage, obviously. But I, I could not place where they were from. They're kind of like bugs, weren't they? Yeah, um, yeah. So, so Boimler's a bug. And then Mariner has some weird thing going on with her eyes. eyes and then yeah. Freeman has a beard. And Shax right. is a woman. And like it's it's all just kind of... <laughs> changed yeah and it's it's i forget the episode it's from but it's basically an episode where dr taana ends up on that bridge and she's like captain captain the entire crew has been replaced with imposters and and <laughs> and they're like oh shit i'm on the wrong ship oops <laughs> she's on the wrong california class ship and it's not like 
actually a problem. So it's it's a That's pretty funny. deep. It's a meta lower decks deep cut. Yeah. So anyway, uh, well the the Texas class ships are all defeated and. California class is vindicated and they have a little celebration later on the Cerritos where Mariner returns and gets recommissioned to Starfleet and is, and is assigned to Ransom as a mentor. So the tables are turned from the first episode where she's excited to be assigned to him and he's not. Yes. <laughs> well, because so, he was trying to like hit on someone and she came over and interrupted that. By the way, I wasn't on last week, but what the hell with them bringing back gross Ransom? Like... They yeah, haven't had, done I that so that. much. And I was just not happy about that. So whatever. I'm glad she interrupted his grossness. 100%. I had exactly the same reaction. And I was like, why are we doing this again? Like, it mm -hmm. just doesn't make any sense. Mm -mm. Anyway. What year is it? Come on now. Yeah, seriously. Like, we don't we don't need this dude on... Like, just redeem his character already. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to ask you what you thought of that, like episode and that's those, those final scenes and then the episode as a whole for like a coda on this season of Lord X. Well, see, I like that they wrapped things up quickly. I That's one of the things I appreciate about Lower Decks. It doesn't like just drag things on forever and ever. I liked that they wrapped up the Freeman being on trial at the beginning of the season. They got that mm -hmm. all wrapped up by the end of the episode. Um, I like that Mariner wasn't off the ship for, you know, many many episodes because I, I mean that happens in other shows and that's fine but lower decks is a different creature you know so i like that they just kind of took care of it and wrapped it up um yeah absolutely so yeah. It, this is this is a show that even if they have a, a cliffhanger it's not a high stakes cliffhanger mm. like in this one Tillin joins the crew you know like that's oh yeah their... yeah i forgot about that and 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 then after the credits we see badgie getting beamed up into some sort of blue uh or green uh transporter beam I didn't see that. You didn't see the post-credits scene. <gasps> there was a post-credits scene. I totally missed that. Yep, <sighs> it's in the Kala system. So the post-credits scene was basically it's just Kala system, and there's a debris field that you see, and it's basically it's the same debris field that Peanut Hamper was in. Okay. And you see Rutherford's implants. So if you remember correctly, Shax pulls Rutherford's implant off him and then saves his life, uh -huh. and that implant is in the debris field. Okay. This is from the season finale of season one right and so on the implant the screen flickers to life and badgie is in there and then you see a uh what do they call tractor beam pulling up a bunch of debris into into a ship and badgie like looks very happy and badgie uh -huh. doesn't say anything so uh and that was at the end of this episode that we just watched? after the credits yep oh. yeah the marvelization oh, of star trek has begun y'all yes yes so the post-credit <laughs> gonna... scenes. Here we go. Next thing you know, we're gonna have uh, what was that dude? Uh, the the actual artist who was in every Marvel movie for a while. Stanley. Stanley. Yeah, we're gonna have yeah. cameos from Stanley everywhere. Then the movies yeah. will, you know, just get even more ridiculous and epic and start not getting very good. Did I say that? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, but so so returning to to the question of of the coda, I think I. I liked it. I wish I didn't feel I don't feel that like Cali class affinity. You know, in the first episode season where they were like lower decks, lower decks, lower mm -hmm. decks. I was like, yeah, my honor, go for it. I like understand. But I I don't think the show brought me along quite as much with the whole like Cali class affinity, uh -huh. you know? Um so I'm interested to see where they go with that. It's kind of interesting. It also seems like Starfleet just like created a Cali class ship replicator and made like seven hundred of them. So <laughs> They all so, have slightly different color schemes. So. Right? It's it's like that for the, the season finale of Picard season one, where like 700 yeah. starships come in and they're all exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I do think, like you were saying, it's a good finish this season. I like that they brought back some of the elements. And I like that, again, Lower Decks has a few strings that it pulls throughout the season. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like, it is episodic, so you don't need to like watch everything. But it does have, for people who do, there are some special things that they can uh -huh. call this. Uh -huh. I like that. Yeah. So, I agree. All right. Well, I think it's time for us, Emily, to give this episode a strange new rating. Do you want to stick your neck out first or should I? What do we want to do here? I'm wavering. Okay. Let me, choice. let me, let me go. Let me jump in here. Okay. 
I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10. I think this was a perfectly good episode. I didn't think it was something where I'm going to be like, whoa, man, that episode was like genius. Or like they did something. It didn't, for me, it didn't do anything specifically amazing. But as a put together as a whole, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to give it a 4. Oh, am I sticking with a four or am I going to do a 4.5? Because I actually just really enjoyed it. It was, I think I'll just do 4.5. I just had a good time. I thought it was fun. I did not, I totally missed that end credit scene because I had to go pick up my kid and I was just like, oh, here's the credits. It's done. And I turned it off and I didn't even think to watch. But um, I just thought it was a fun episode. I felt, I felt satisfied with how they wrapped things up and didn't drag stuff off. I'm glad Mariner's back on the Cerritos. Um, I just felt like there was good with the exception of, well, they didn't really do much with Ransom, but like, I felt like there was character development. They were continuing with the character development. So I liked that too. Um, yeah, it's a good episode. Well, there's only one other thing I will add here, which is number one, first of all, let me just say, you could have talked me into an eight or a nine on this episode totally, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'll stick with more. I get. The other thing is you might've seen the sovereign class ship that came in, which yes. is the Van Sitters. That's na- that's named after John Van Sitters, who's a VP of CBS. So my first reaction was, Mike McMahon sucking up. Well, it turns out Van Sitters is actually a really important guy in, in the Star Trek kind of fold because he had, first of all, he wrote one of the additions to the Star Trek tabletop RPGs in the early 2000s. But he's also kind of been known as like Mr. Star Trek. He was like, used to represent Star Trek at like conventions all through the 2000s. So He's, I don't know, like, I still don't quite understand his relationship with Kurtzman's crew, but he's a really important dude in Star Trek. And well, kind of, cool. we owe a lot to him for Star Trek's longevity. That's cool. So, anyway, well, on that note, let's take a break and we'll come back and discuss Asylum. Forgive me. <laughs> I am Lieutenant Junior Grade Barnes Frex, and welcome to CR721. The Federation's furthest calm relay outpost, what I like to call the final frontier. Welcome back to Strange New Takes, where I was just talking about Hamilton on Broadway. Uh, I have, I was communicating today with somebody who saw the original Broadway cast, and my jealousy no longer allows me to be their friend. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Also, I didn't realize the original cast was only on Broadway for like a year. They, you know, they didn't really? perform for a long time. No, no, no. I when you, when you look it up, most of them left between July and August of 2016, and the show opened in I think like July or August of 2015. So there was literally a short amount of time that you could watch those people, yeah. like Lin Manuel, Chris Jackson, everyone in those roles. I feel like a lot of them are have other stuff that they do, and that could be part of it. Like, and or were they bigger names after Hamilton? You know what I mean? Because I'm thinking about all the different things I've seen those actors in. So Lynn, I, I mean, Lynn already had the Tony, right? And Chris Jackson yeah. was in In the Heights with him. So yeah. Tony, the uh, guy Lacamoire on the 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 musical specialist in mm-hmm. Hamilton, um, and even the director, I think they were all pretty successful before. But I'm almost certain most of the rest of the cast were kind of newcomers. Okay. And then it's after Hamilton that they started doing, because I mean, a lot of them have recurring roles in television shows or, you know, so there's um, different like that. Isn't it? I can't remember his name. The one who played George Washington is Chris Jackson. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So there's, yeah. 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 No, they, they, I mean, they're so talented, right? Like such a great crew. Uh, have I, to, I I know I've told the story on the podcast, but I'll I'll say it again because uh, I think it it's one of the funnier things in my life. So the person who plays uh, who played Angelica Schuyler in Hamilton, Renee Elise Goldsberry, was also in the Netflix uh, sci-fi series. Uh, the, what's the name of it? The one where there are people who wear each other's like you can like take someone's. Uh, mind and put it in some in a different sleeve body um mm. oh she's also an enterprise by the way as crewman kelly in the episode vox sola hmm, interesting anyway but she was she was in this show i'm, I'm it's not a great story because i forgot <laughs> the, the show's name but it was like um it was on netflix for a little bit eh, um 
Let me see. Oh, wait, that's right. Altered Carbon. Altered oh, Carbon. Oh, okay, okay. And so she was an altered carbon, and she is, like, supposed to be this, like, charismatic figure that, like, is really, is the reason that the protagonist is so, like, torn up in his brain, and he's, like, thinking about her. You see visions of her, and I'm just like, this is the most annoying character. If I was this protagonist, I'd be like, please get out of my memory. I don't care about <laughs> you at all. And so I was, like, super not happy with her, uh, uh-huh. the, the character. And then the actress plays Angelica Schuyler, and it almost ruined the first, like, act of Hamilton for me, oh, just because no. be like, as I hated Kelchris Falconer so much as a character. But thankfully, <laughs> uh, she is so talented as an actress that, like, yeah. you know, you can't, especially in, in, in the main song where she sings the Schuyler sisters, like, it's just, you can't mm-hmm. do anything but love her. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Anyway, that's my, that's my altered Garvin Hamilton story. But hey, let's uh, let's alter this episode and return back to talking about Asylum, or or return to Star Trek and talk about Asylum. Hooray! Which is the mid-season premiere of Prodigy. Prodigy has been around just for one season, and it already has had two mid-season premieres. As you <laughs> might recall, they interrupted Prodigy to show Discovery for some reason. I know. I don't understand it. Seriously. Uh. Anyway. Well, it's back. And here's the, remember how I told you the, the first episode summary of 13 words? And here's here's the yeah. one for Asylum. At the edge of Federation space, the crew applies for Asylum at a calm relay outpost only for their starship to reveal its shocking true purpose. Mm. Much longer. <laughs> yeah. It's a much sure. better summary, even though it's a little bit of a spoiler. Yeah. Well, it's so funny, though. So I found this episode was a little confusing to me at first. Because, I mean, we obviously know that the ship is a weapon of sorts, right? And I couldn't remember. I had I did not get a chance to watch all of the episodes before I saw this one. So I couldn't quite remember exactly what it was that it was supposed to do. I figured somehow it was like turning the Federation or Starfleet in on itself or something. But I couldn't quite remember. Um, yeah. And so I was like, wait, how are how is this not causing a problem as they're going on this space station? But then it's very clear it's because they use the jet bridge or I don't know if it's called a jet bridge, but, you know, they use the walkway to go to the station. So that's not a computer communication, you know, so right. um, and it's not in any of the kids. Um, it's in the ship. And so that, you know, then when they finally get to this, I'm like, aha, now I see why it is. Absolutely. It was it was the long con. Mm-hmm. I think the thing I want to say at the top is Prodigy is so different in terms of pacing from any of the other Star Treks around. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. just episode to episode, there is not as much that they do. Yeah, it's not bam, 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 bam. So you don't have to watch it a couple of times in order to catch all of the things that happen. You're able to, which is, I mean, that's, I think that's. That's, you know what, it's, I just started thinking of this. So with a lot of kids shows, they have things change so fast, so fast, so fast with kids shows. Mm -hmm. Um, But they don't really seem to be doing that with this, which I appreciate because I think they'll be able to retain more. I don't know. I'm not a child psychologist, but um, I just wonder if they'll be able to retain more of what happens in the story just because of how it's unfolding. It's still interesting. I mean, there was still, I, I was not bored at all by the episode. I was. Because I'm invested in the characters, and I we rewatched. Yeah. Um, I rewatched some of the first part of the season when my son was watching it, and you know, I was just reminded how much I did not like Dal, the first part of the series, but I yeah. really did like. The, but they did a great job with character development in all of these characters. Exactly. Um, because I really do like Dal now and uh, and I understand why he was the way he was and I have I feel sympathy for some of the things he's experienced and and he has grown a lot. It's not just that I have sympathy for him, but he's also grown out of some of his selfishness and his, um, you know, just it all being about him. You know, he's not he's not about that anymore. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of fun to watch. And anyway. I mean, this is a crew now, right? Like and they mm-hmm. want to be in Starfleet. The, I think for me, I'm a little bit, I feel like I've been trained by modern television to be like, you know, it's it's like the 10 episode series. Like John Adams is a good version of this. Like one of the early versions where they had just 10 episodes of John Adams and every episode covered like 20 years of this dude's life. It felt like it's less than that. I'm exaggerating, but still you, so in this, at the end of this episode, I was like, but what happens next? I want more. And it's like, 
no, this is a good departure from, you know, the way Strange New Worlds or, or Lower Decks or whatever does things. It's it's just slower. It's easy. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I can tell you the entire plot of this episode just briefly, and then we can jump into specific things that we notice. Basically, the kids yeah. stop at this station. They meet this weird Denobulan. The, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the weapon code gets injected, which then helps... Uh, the the memories of the diviner saying it's a weapon resurface. The ship starts destroying itself, and the kids have to like brave an action. No, the sequence. station starts destroying itself. Yeah. Right. The, the station starts to destroy itself, and the br- kids have to brave an action sequence to get back onto the ship. Mm-hmm. That's it, right? Like mm-hmm. that, that's that's the entire episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I couldn't do that with a lower decks episode, uh-uh. right? It's like it's like the last one. I'd be like, well, the Cerritos is first in space dock, and then they have a competition. They lose the competition. Then the admirals turns on the AI, and then the blah 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 blah. blah and then they end up in this place. The mariner, you know, like it's it's like so it's it's such a difference. I mm-hmm. guess is my was mm-hmm. my point. But so anyway, let's let's get into the meat and potatoes uh, with the hot dogs that Jacob Bog seems to like. <laughs> yeah that was pretty <laughs> at first i was trying to figure out what it was he was eating and i was like oh they're hot dogs <laughs> but, um well and is- then when the ship goes when the when the space station starts attacking itself and it spits out a burnt hot dog i'm like that's the best way to have a hot dog though is really with it charred oh my gosh yeah charred yes but like charred. That's what it looked like. It looked just like a charred hot dog. It didn't look like it was inedible. <laughs> so so I, I hate to pick a fight here, but I felt like it had like little circle burns, whereas a charred hot dog to me is like in those nice like diagonal. Uh, that's like, true, that's true. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Who but, knows? But, it was too but much I, action right there. I couldn't remember. No, I'm just kidding. Honestly, though, I love all hot dogs. Like I will eat, <laughs> like I was eating some Coney Allen's the other day. Delicious. I love Chicago <laughs> style hot dogs uh, as well. I love just a good hot dog without any toppings at all. A charred hot dog. Like just give me a hot dog. I love those things. Um, tubed meats in general. I don't know. Do you, do you, do you sympathize I with this? I love brats. I really like brats. Yeah. And actually I like the, like I'll do like the chicken and apple sausages. Those are really good. You Blood know, sausage? No, no. Can't do it? No. Okay. I've never had it. So I, it's like with my kid, I'm like, you have never tasted this. You can't tell me that you don't like it. But I'm just going to go on record and say I don't need to taste blood sausage to decide that I don't like it. If we ever do an in-person recording of our <laughs> podcast, I will I will serve some blood sausage without mentioning what it is. Because you can't really tell what it yeah, is. I know, if you just, yeah. If you, if you, but, and you, sh- you gotta like, because I feel, I really do feel like, see, I'm like, like, they have like uh, I don't know. I saw Whole Foods the other day, like a chicken liver mousse. Like, you know what that is? Like that's that's cream of meat. <laughs> but with blood sausage, it really t- doesn't taste like what it is, and uh, it's part of a full English breakfast. That's why I like it. Yeah, but- no, I know it's the part of the full English be- English breakfast that I would just leave aside, along with the beans. Fair. Fair, beans are okay, enough. but I just don't, I don't know. I have a feeling they probably don't taste the way that I would want my beans to taste. So I don't know. Uh, beans taste exactly the way I want them to taste. Unfortunately, the room tastes very unlike what I wanted to taste the next day because I ate the beans. So <laughs> uh, I, I don't, uh, I, I, I stay away from the beans. That I haven't reason. quite understood the whole beans and toast thing. I don't know. That just seems... I feel like it's one of those things that if I was a UK citizen right now, I'd be taking great offense, but I'm not I going know, to. I know, I know. And this, I am such an Anglophile. I mean, but I, the beans and toast, I just haven't quite. Mushy peas, I can get behind that. Like that's. I do like those. I do like You know, those. that's, that's good. But See, yeah, this is, beans this and is, toast. You know, when the two of us are on a podcast, like me and Adam, we go off on like crazy, wacky stuff. When we were on the podcast, we should just talk about food. There you uh, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Jenkins Bog was not eating mushy peas. He missed mm-hmm. out. Uh, although he had hot dogs, which are very good. Lots uh, and lots of hot dogs. Yes, he did. And uh, we also found that Zero is very apologetic because because Gwyn has lost her memory because of right. Zero revealing his true or their true there. self yeah. to, to Gwyn. And so Zero is like using the enhanced sick bay to, yes. to return Gwyn's memories. Well, and then, and you know, I don't even think does Gwen doesn't actually remember what happened, but I guess zero has told Gwen that, that they're the reason why she lost yes. her memories. I'm yes. guessing, yeah. yep, yep, but yep. it is, but it is interesting. It seems like 
But she said she made the comment that she doesn't know what happened to her father. So clearly Zero and Dal are not telling her about yes. that. So that's interesting. Like, so she seems to have been told some of the things that happened and they're just leaving out the other, which is interesting because I mean, wouldn't I don't I don't know. I just find it. I don't it know how you reveal that, one without the other, right? Exactly. Like, yeah, like yeah. why why on earth would Gwyn have partially seen zero unless zero was showing themselves to oh so sorry person. Gwen. i was just coming out of the shower and i forgot <laughs> exactly exactly like you know it happens like you know that guy on lower decks and the barracks who's with his towel yeah, all yeah. the time yeah who's also a huge gossip by the way according to the last lower decks episode yeah. towel guy anyway 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 <laughs> um but but yeah it's it's explicitly said that Gwen is Zero tells Gwen, like, you, he won't hurt you anymore. He's not in a place to hurt you or whatever. Right, right. And so it's, yeah, it is kind of strange. But then we have Rock Doc f- figuring out that there are 100 plus sciences. Yes. She's so cute. I love it. She's like, what science do I want to be? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, what, and what was the one that she decides she doesn't want to do? After they try to jump off the space station, that's the, not the kind of science she wants to do. It was too much stress. But yeah. um, but I loved... Uh, oh, you, that, speaking of rock talk, and actually this kind of goes with Dal too. So in the episode, Time Amok, mm-hmm. there is some comment or something is stated that leads you to believe that Janeway cannot be hugged because rock talk went for so long without a hug. And like that was something that she can provide. But Dal hugs Janeway in this episode. So I'm just curious as to how that happened. If there was some sort of program shift in all the weirdness that happened in the last two episodes. Literally unwatchable. I know. I know. Why even watch the rest of the episodes at this point with an error of this magnitude? I mean, it just feels like they really just wanted to torture Rock Talk, which I don't like that. So (laughs) be poor, poor Rock Talk. She needs her hugs. Rock Talk. um, unlike some of the others now also knows what her species is she's a bracar yes because they all got dna scans except dal who turns out as the omega particle i know i'm so curious as to why they have him entered into the system that way i also i did love jenkin pog's real pride pride when he discovered that his species was one of the founders of the federation (laughs) it was pretty awesome (laughs) Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Which one of us did one of us, us didn't like Jenkin Pog in the beginning? I think it might have been Rudy, like Adam? Rudy or Adam, or one of them hated Jenkin yeah. Pog. <laughs> I like Jenkin Pog. I think he's great. And I even watching back at the beginning, I liked him. I think I liked him all the time. Dal was the one I didn't like, but um, but I I liked Jenkin Pog the whole time. It's Jason Mazzucas. How can you not yeah. like? You know, yeah. it's 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 a good time. Um. Yeah, no, that was that was really that was really funny, and I I don't know this whole Dal thing is so weird though. It's like bring him back to Starfleet Command or whatever, or like I think it's like inform Starfleet Command that you got mm-hmm. him. Like, what the heck is this? Is this like one of like Kirk's love child or something? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's just, and it wasn't even like a not in the database kind of answer. Like, yeah. real, you know what I mean? It did because that because that's what Dal was expecting. Dal was just expecting to say, "Oh, we can't find you," but which is what happened with Gwyn. They couldn't find her species, right? right? Which she but, said that they wouldn't be able to, right? Because, so, because, yeah. So it's just interesting that that was not the that was not the way the scan turned out for Dal. Um, it gave a different answer. So anyway, I find it I find it intriguing. Right, and 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 again, this is a qu- a quick piece here, which you got because you've been watching the um the rest of Prodigy with Dietrich, which is that. The reason that they don't know her species is because the Federation hasn't made first contact with them yet. Because the oh, Diviner yeah. and Gwyn came back in time mm-hmm. to stop the Federation because the Federa- they, they blamed the Federation for the Vaunacat's species, uh, yeah. their, their destruction. So yeah. that's, why, that's why Gwyn is confident that they're not going to find her. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if we're going to get into like one of those temporal loop things where they find her then because of her. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be. But anyway, um one other quick piece. I wonder if the thing about Dal is referenced by the opening sequence where they're trying they're doing all these good deeds, of course, these kids. Mm-hmm. And they're saving the last of its species or whatever. 
Oh yeah. You think maybe that's the thing with Dal? It's like it's an it's an extinct species or something like that. So they're like find him because he's the last like genetic remnant or something. I don't mm. know. And they're aware too of him, so or they're aware of his species, so they won't. right. So they're like yeah. you go, preserve or whatever endangered. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So I was oh well two things. Were you disappointed that that the Denobulan didn't smile? I was expecting that big, you know, flock Optimism, smile. Optimism, Captain. <laughs> yeah. no. okay. But he wasn't as he wasn't he didn't seem to be as jovial as um as flocks. He's kind of a dick. Yeah. Well, especially I'm sorry, but like they're kids. I cannot believe he got in an escape hatch and left and like without giving the kids anyway. I don't care. that is not very Starfleet. Like, no. like that dude has been out by himself for too long and has not remembered what Starfleet is about. So, <laughs> you know, you know who he, uh, who he reminded me about of, who? um, you remember that, uh, short trek, the trouble with Edward with, yeah. the, like he reminded me of that, like Edward guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who was played by John Benjamin. Yeah. I can, uh, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, he was just, he just seemed like, I mean, also he makes a reference about like something like, oh, they're going to send me to an even worse place. So it seems yeah. like he's kind of a washout and yeah. he's not doing so well in Starfleet. Well, and also like the way his uniform fit him was weird too. Like it was very, I don't know. It just was weird. Yeah. Um, and he's like, I'm trying to make that like final frontier reference yeah. happen all the time. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't seem like the sharpest tool in the shed, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-mm. Well, and the other thing, so the other thing I was thinking was if, and I, and I, again, I think I need to go back and watch a moral star part two. I think part two is where you find this out. But, um, so if the protostar makes communication contact, it doesn't, it's not like a virus that spreads throughout all of Starfleet immediately. It just goes to that one ship or space station that it communicates with, I'm guessing. Well, that's what we saw happening here. So, yeah. uh, so may, we don't know if the station has sent out a signal with it in, included or whatever, right? It's, yeah, yeah. It would be kind of an ineffective, ineffective virus if it didn't spread in some way. I know. So that's why I was... But it seems like, obviously, Janeway is able to be chasing them just based on uh, previews that they've shown for the show. Yeah. You mean the real me is chasing us? We're in trouble or whatever it is that yeah, Janeway yeah. says later. But which, um, which speaking of holograms and Janeway, we see Janeway in a hologram with Chicote. Kind yes. of creepy. I don't know if you thought this. I thought it was like, what's she doing watching this thing? It's kind of like weird. And Chicote is like, oh, I told him the only way I would do this is if you came with me. And like, it's all a little like, uh, what are you guys doing? Just like. Yeah, they they like don't want to just admit their true feelings for each other. They will only admit it to each other's holograms or something, or, or they want to have holographic versions of each other. Available. Also, I don't know if you thought that their hug was a little uh, a little close, if you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, uh, it was. Usually, she just puts his her hand on his chest. You know, like that's kind of the the Jane Wade Chicote thing. She does that a lot. She kind of puts her hand on his chest or. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I and I will admit, I was totally a Janeway Chakotay shipper. So you know, <laughs> I mean, it is absurd that they didn't just make that happen. It is, it is one of those things in the Voyager where I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, it is very clear that Kate Mulgrew and Robert Beltran were playing it that way. Very yeah. clear. I mean, they had very strong chemistry with one another. So well, they like, have that entire they... episode where yes. they're playing house. Yes, on the planet. Like, are you yeah. kidding me? I know. Nichikode was like, actually, now that you've had lizard babies as a, you know, salamander. <laughs> yeah, like that's it's a breaking point for me. It's too weird. Can't go on from here. Oh my goodness. Um. Yeah, well, it does seem like they're kind of, and I, I will say that good on the prodigy people for bringing that back, but also like very creepy for Chakotay to be like, the only way I go to the Delta Quadrant is if you come with me. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> You know, he's trapped in the ship for a long time with a hologram of someone he's kind of got a crush on. Like, uh, it's like kind of Barkley-ish, you know? Yeah. Admit it. It's just because of the tweet you found that Robert Beltran 
Yes, oh, Robert Picardo yeah. is like tainted the way you look at him now. Tim Ross, Tim Ross, Tim Ross. Oh, Tim tweeted. Ross, that's right. Sorry. Robert Picardo would tweet similar things as that too. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen almost the whole cast of Voyager tweet similar things. So then to see Robert Beltran not do similar yes. things, I was like, oh. oh Let, let's okay. let's just say Robert <laughs> Beltran said something regrettable on, on Twitter and an off tweet and then claimed it was a joke and started blocking people when he was called out on it. Oh, is that you, what happened? I missed all the aftermath, so you can you can go look this up on Google if you so wish, dear listener. I don't wanna <laughs> I don't wanna open that particular can of worms at this point. But uh yeah. So but Chakote did not tweet anything. He just no. took his holographic crush with him 70,000 miles away. <laughs> Weird. Kind of crazy. Uh, and then Janeway was like, I miss Chakotay, so I'm going to relive this moment with him and, like, step up and, like, get really close to him. Like, it was very strange in my book. <laughs> uh, but anyway, now they've, they basically, Janeway and her crew have found the Diviner in Stasis, mm-hmm. which, when we watched the, the finale of, or, or the mid-season finale of, of Prodigy, he's left kind of, like, in a in a state where he's like babbling something, he's not in stasis. Mm-hmm. Well, and he was kind of late. I didn't remember him floating in the air either. Right. Although I know there's some weird stuff with the gravity, with the gravity, or with the gravity. I can't talk on Tars because he's back on Tars Lamora, right? Um, uh, I yeah, I I I, th- I think they were. I, I forget now how they found him or whatever, but like it was it was kind of strange. And so yeah, yeah I, I think I'm with you that it's it doesn't seem this seems to be something that's happened in between. Yeah, when yeah. We last saw him. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, I don't remember him hanging like that, like yeah. hanging midair. And anyway, well, or unconscious. Ba- the back half of this episode is pretty much one long action sequence where, like you were saying, the Starfleet officer decides to use the last escape pod and leaves a bunch like a of kids dick. to fend for themselves. What an idiot. Seriously. Uh, which leaves our kids to put on exosuits and go outside and walk around on this uh, in space and jump over to the protostar. It's These are some nuts. brave kids. <laughs> 100%. And Rock Talk's a good scientist, I guess, uh, as yep. well. Yep, yep. What did you think about that thing when Dal was like, Rock Dog, do something? She's like, What should I do something? She's like, You're the science officer. How did well, you she interpret wanted... that? Because that's what she wanted to be. Because they kept calling her the security chief last, the last first half of the season. Right. And she kept saying, Don't call me that. I don't want to be the security chief. She did not want to be pigeonholed into something just because of her size mm-hmm. um, or because of the way she looked. And so she wanted to prove that she could be something else, which obviously she was able to be because of all the time that she spent during time amok um, because she was able to learn. Like, didn't she have she had to learn like warp mechanics or something? I can't remember. She had to learn something very complicated. Um, And she was able to rewrite Janeway's program. I think there were a few different things that she did during that time. So then I think at the end of that episode, they talked about her being the science officer. Um. And so, yeah, anyway, that, so I just kind of took it that they're, he's trying to honor what she wants to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I also kind of interpreted that as Dal becoming a little bit more of a Starfleet captain where like he's delegating. Like leaning, yeah. He's leaning on his crew, mm-hmm. you know? So, mm-hmm. so it was kind of an interesting, I think, view there. They've all and, grown so much. Yeah, very much so. And now we're left with the situation where they can't go back to Starfleet. I will express just a little bit of frustration that this is a little bit of a MacGuffin to keep that, like, to add some tension. Yeah. But fair enough. I can see other people really appreciating it as a plot point. For me, it's just like, uh, it's like it's like Seinfeld, you know, where there's something, yeah. like, really obvious that can be done to, like, fix the situation. But the entire episode is like, I don't want to do this obvious thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's so, so that's what it kind of feels like. I'm just, just delete the code. Just, like, fix it. get help (laughs) yeah but anyway anything else you want to add on this episode before we move on i'm trying to think did um so gwen still doesn't know what happened to her father right but she's starting to remember more about what he told her that's what i was trying to remember so yeah he said it's a weapon Mm -hmm. and can be that can be transmitted and will destroy Starfleet from within. So she did remember that whole that whole yeah. phrase. Yeah. Was she remembering it as she was trying to climb out of the 
water filling stasis chamber or <laughs> not stasis chamber i, I but think the she remembers it bio-bomb. as uh, at some point in the back half of the episode i can't yeah. remember exactly yeah. uh um when now but yeah it's it's during one of the action sequences mm-hmm. that she which is interesting that in both episodes this week we had characters remembering things about the past that they could no longer mm-hmm. that is interesting it is interesting yeah, yeah all right that pretty much covers it well then let's let's jump into ratings once again this time are you still contempl- contemplating a rating or do you want to throw it no, out there you know what i'm gonna give this uh, I uh, know what I'm gonna give it a five out of five because I'm just really excited that Prodigy is back. I thought it was a good, solid episode. My kids super loved it. Um, you know, so those are all the things, and it sparked him wanting to go back and watch the whole season nice. again. So to me, that's a five out of five. That was great. Nice, nice. I, I think that that's a very that's very good reasoning. I'm still stuck on the. Is it as good as in the pale moonlight for a ten out of ten for me? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah. which is just such an unfair test for any episode to have to live up to. So I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten for that reason. <laughs> Maybe a nine point nine nine or something like that. But anyway, anyway. Nice, nice. Well, thanks Emily for making the time. I was having a yeah. coming day, and this conversation cheered me up. It's always well, a good. lot of fun. Good, yeah, this good. is this is why I, this podcast is so much fun. It's like a it weekly time to get together with friends and talk about Star Trek, right? Like, exactly. What better way to spend your Saturday afternoon? And uh, we're no longer talking about Discovery, so it's happy. What? I didn't say anything. Did you say anything? Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm gonna get those little cracks in there. I just gotta get those little. Oh, there is one thing we didn't discuss. Actually, can we go back and talk about the episode? Yeah. did you cast the into darkness reference well i don't know if i caught the into darkness reference but i caught the total riff on the music from star trek 2009 like when it's, it pulls it's out that bump, 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 bump. well no it's it's all of them i think it's all of them it's just but, the but, music but that, into darkness is when the ship is coming out of the water remember the, oh, the okay, enterprise yeah, underwater right, and it's right. exactly when it's doing that the 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 important thing to note here is that the music in this episode is made by I think it's like um, Nala Melamud. Yeah, yeah, um, but she's kind of like a, a, a Michael Giacchino is kind of her mentor. I think exactly. Like yeah, yeah. She she did one of the Thor movies with him, mm-hmm. so clearly you know there's a link there, and it's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I think she does it on purpose too. I think she's trying to kind of sprinkle some of his stuff in, but um, uh. I, I I will confess that Into Darkness is the Star Trek I've seen the least because it's not good. But what? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's such a great movie. You no, know, no. You, you, it is... I've seen Star Trek five more than I've seen Into Darkness. <laughs> I just I just want to say, like, it takes a profound mind to be like, what happens when you take an Indian man and you make him the super ubermensch? He becomes white. <laughs> oh my gosh! So uh, smart, so smart. Good, uh, good writing. Good writing. They were like, you know, you know how how the Wrath of Khan made took an Indian guy and made him like Mexican. played by a Latino actor. Um, you know what was wrong with that situation? That he was brown. He wasn't white. That's <laughs> yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch. When I think Sikh, I think Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes, that Seriously, is. Seriously, uh, someday we have to do a review of that movie. I in the because in the middle of the movie, I thought they were gonna do something so cool and kind of flip the whole con thing on its head and they just so did nothing cool and didn't flip anything on its head and it was just i was like i laughed out loud when um in the theater when spock does con <laughs> like i, I burst out laughing because it was so stupid i will <laughs> i will admit to actually loving the flip on the you know the reactor sequence and then like i actually like that stuff but but um but i, I had like a way Kish. cooler flip in my mind and they didn't do yes, it so yes yes 100 whatever and they could have just explained it saying like actually i was one of like i was the evil white dude who was advising Khan and I've killed him because this is the mirror universe no they were no. like yeah that was a, Indian a erasure it's terrible yeah it was it was a very regrettable move it was mm. a very regrettable move although if they did have like an Indian person playing Khan they'd be like hello my name is Bob Khan or like yes. Bob Steve or something yeah they'd <laughs> Uh, anyway, well, well, all right, let me return to giving the credit. So 
Thank you also to Rudy, Bill, and Adam, whatever it is y'all are doing today. I hope y'all are having a great time. Thank you, dear listener, for making us a part of your podcast rotation this week. I always love to see uh, people downloading the podcast and listening to it. I see some of the metrics on the back end. So thank you for being there, for making this all worth it um, in terms of putting it out. Thank you just to Gula for recording our theme music. We always appreciate hearing you strum away at the Klingon theme. And special thanks this week to the Diviner. It could have been that he could have said something really obvious to to Gwyn or like phrased it in a way that would make the snippets that he shared like make no sense when she remembered them. But instead, he was very clear. It's like it's a weapon, and and it just it just helped, you know, like jog her memory. What what if she had remembered like something in between in the sentence, so it's like which it will or something like that, and she's like, what is what is does it make any sense? But perfect job, Diviner, uh, in the way you phrase that. So. Special thanks to him. All right, everybody, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.